It's Monday, November the 22nd, 2010, and this is the recording of Computers in the Classroom at the University of North Texas. I do apologize because in today's recording, I neglected to turn the recorder back on after we had paused to talk a little bit about the Khan Academy and that example of screencasting. So I think there's probably a good 15 minutes at least that is missing from the recording. So I do apologize for that, but in our notes for our screencasting resources, there is a full eight-minute screencast that describes how to create the screencast in Screener. So again, my apologies that we didn't get the full recording today. I was trying to eliminate some of that uh, dead time and uh, just forgot to turn it back on. So hope the recording is beneficial, and uh, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to comment and uh, leave a message on our um, website for the class. And um, also, if you're a student in the class, feel free to email me, as always, with my North North Texas email. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Can you believe that it's November the 22nd? And we are actually only going to be meeting in person three more times, including today. So I'm glad that you're here. We are, uh, as we will the next two times as well, sharing a lot of screencasts and other things for uh, folks who may be absent, who may be listening to the recording. How many of you have listened to at least part of one of the recordings from a class this semester? Has that been a good thing to have available? This is the first time I've done just, you know, all audio. Last semester I was doing video and I I, uh, experimented with that. But today, which will be fun, we're going to uh, learn about screencasting and talk a little bit about really the two of the last three assignments that we have, Um, give you a chance to contest any of the questions which you thought were just too tricky on the test, and I'll take into consideration those things and maybe grant some credit because uh, this was certainly not a rigorously tested test, you know, with lots of people answering questions to make sure everything was valid and reliable and all that good stuff. So please make sure that you put uh, your name on our attendance for today. And on our videos and uh, app shares for today, I want to share, I am so excited about mobile digital storytelling. You know, because we've done VoiceThread and we've talked about videos and stories that I really love storytelling, and I think that it's an important thing for us to be able to do with students. Well, as a result of basically the K-12 online conference and uh, a presentation that Tony Vincent shared about project-based learning, I learned about two apps that I want to share real quickly about today, and they're called StoryRobe and they're called and Sonic Picks. So this is an example of a very simple story. This is one that my six-year-old created this last week using StoryRobe. The idea is that instead of taking pictures, putting it into the computer in a program like PhotoStory, on your mobile device, you take the, you uh, get the pictures in and record your voice, and then it just makes the movie right on the device. So this is Story Robe, and this is something she just totally did on her own. She loves stuffed animals. Hi, my name is Whiskers, and I am a cheetah in the zoo. Hi, I'm Pete. I am a prairie dog in the zoo. Hi, I'm Longhorn. I am a buffalo in the zoo. Hi, I'm Mr. Wheat, and I am Jean Chow. We're pandas in the zoo. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm a bear in the zoo. All right, so she is in first grade. You can get from that language the idea of a pattern book. There's a lot of pattern books that first graders read. Very exciting for kids to not only read the books that others have made, but create them themselves, be able to record their voices, and and, uh, develop their literacy skills in doing that. So that is a free program for iOS, for um, iPod Touch, iPhone, um, iPad, and this is one that, this is a little bit longer, this is a 30-second one, which my 10-year-old, Sarah, created. We went on a walk last week. Um, these are just some of the beautiful, this is one of the most beautiful trees. This is actually our tree. This is actually our neighbor, of course, the strange tree. This is very beautiful. This is a close-up of a tree. 
All right, so really quick, I mean, 30 seconds, five pictures. I just happen to have um, those pictures on my phone, and uh, she used a program called Sonic Pix to create that. And literally, I said, here, Sarah, there's Sonic Pix. Figure this out. Make a story, you know, and, and she's able to do that. I've got links to, on for two different background posts that I put up about this. Um, I am teaching fifth grade Sunday school, so in the last four weeks, basically, with my class, we have been uh, doing stories that relate to verses and things like that that we've been studying. And so yesterday, my students actually shared um, some of their stories. This is a planning sheet that one of the students had created, and um, I've got uh, links to a couple of their stories, and then I, um, I have a link to uh, a lot more information about kind of how we plan that and how we brainstormed it. They're doing, I've done this before with students, but I've never done it with a mobile device. So we have three iPhones in our family now. Um, my original iPhone that's like three years old, which StoryRobe works on. My wife's 3G phone, which we just got for my mom, because she got a new one, and then mine. And I have my co-teacher bring his phone. So we ended up having 12 students and four phones to, uh, to do this. I also, this is background two, the second link, um, gave you this link. And it, this basically is an overview of StoryKit, which I've told you about before. That was the one I used when I went to China to tell the story about Shuzo and riding on the bullet train and all that. But also StoryRobe and Sonic Picks. And so I've got links to examples with all three of those projects, a link to this fantastic presentation that Tony Vincent did. And we'll just play a little bit of this. This is sounding funky. I've been an advocate for mobile learning since 2001, when my fifth graders in my classroom each received a Palm handheld. We huh. I haven't seen that on the dot sub version. It looks like there's a sync issue with the audio and the video. I actually saw the, um, the uh, MP, MP4, the iPod uh, version of that. So we may want to uh, – I'll have to let them know about that and see if we can change that up. So instead of using that version – I've been an advocate for mobile learning since 2001, when my fifth graders in my classroom each received a Palm handheld. We used a variety of software applications every day. Favorite apps were ones where students created something to share with others. Today it seems that handhelds of choice for education are iPod Touch and iPad. Use these devices along with other kinds of computers for education, and you've got mobile learning. Mobile learning can happen anywhere, in a classroom, at the dining room table, on a bus, in front of a science exhibit, anywhere. Portability is not as important as the ability of the learner to connect, communicate, collaborate, and create using tools that are readily available. Apps, podcasts, and websites provide options for personalization of learning Inside and outside the classroom. All right, so I'll pause that. That actually might be one of the uh, videos that we'll look at in our assignments that we'll do um, week after Thanksgiving. Um, Tony is amazing. He is in Omaha. No, he's is he in Omaha. Yeah, Omaha, Nebraska, and was a fifth grade teacher, and now he's a full time learning consultant. I think I, maybe actually he's moved to Arizona. That, Omaha was where he started, um, and uh, I don't think I've told you about. Radio Willoweb, but this is a school, an elementary school in Omaha at uh, Millard Elementary, and it's just one of the best examples of a class that is is using audio um, to post regular regular podcasts of things that they've done. This is just audio only, but. The different classes will rotate through, and they'll create these Hello, shows. Hello, my name is Leslie. I'll be your host for this edition of Radio Willowup. A group of second graders from the Double Den at Willowdale Elementary in Miller have been studying great inventors and their inventions. We've put a podcast together with 
So this is a, a great project example. They've got links to different things that, that they uh, have found online that you can um, take a look at. But in order to create a podcast, an audio file like that, usually it's going to take software that you're going to download. It's going to take a lot more time. And it's good to take time to create a project, but we don't always have a lot of time. So I think tools like StoryKit and StoryRobe are really amazing because they allow you just on that mobile device to be able to create that kind of content. So that's the link for StoryRobe and this is the link for Sonic Picks. The other thing I was really excited about is a while back I had purchased this cable and not really used it a whole lot and this is a cable that um, plugs right into the dock connector of my iPhone and not all applications that are on a iPhone will right now send video out. I've got some special software on my phone that, that sends everything out so you can uh, see everything that, that kind of flips through. I've, before I've used a different program and hooked my laptop up, but for me this has been transformational in teaching because when I would do a video project with students, I would bring in my laptop, a camcorder, a tripod, microphones, a deal that we would connect up to the computer to be able to plug the microphone in. I mean, like, my kids would help me haul it in, and it would be like three little suitcases of stuff, you know, speakers, everything. So by using mobile learning, literally we had four iPhones, and we could have been using iPod Touches, and I brought this white cable, and that was it. That was the only thing that we needed. So uh, on my second page here, I, I have um, links at the bottom to StoryKit, StoryRobe, and SonicPix, and I'm just going to show you really fast how StoryRobe works. StoryRobe is 100% free, and there's that. I love things that are powerful but very simple, right? Three choices. Create a story, open a story, or share a story. It's a lot like VoiceThread. After you log into VoiceThread, it's like browse uh, stories, create a story, or my stories, or something like that, my VoiceThread. So um, we are going to create a story. So I'll say create a story, and where do I want to get my stuff? If I wanted to, I could take a picture right now live, but usually it's better to take the picture separately and then uh, put them in um, afterwards. So we'll grab this picture of Rachel. And it says, do you want to add another one? Yeah, sure, we'll get another one. Where am I going to get it from? I'll get it from my camera roll again. One of the things to keep in mind with safety and privacy and all that is you don't have to share student names or student pictures. One of the things I'm doing with my class is we're using little finger puppets that I bought, and we are um, you know, recording our voices with those. So there's not any student pictures. Oh, this is going to be kind of a little eclectic collection. I'll just do three pictures. But load up as many pictures as you want, and I say no, and there's the pictures. So there's Rachel with her I grow Santa at the top. There's uh, one of the slides from the students um, that were, were doing stories at, in Sunday school, and then there's this picture of my friend Vern at his birthday party on Saturday night. I can move these around, change the order however I want, and then um, at the bottom right corner it says record story. So the way that StoryRobe works is it gives me three minutes to record the story and then it's over. This is all, all that I can do. So I'll click the record button and then I'll click next image and it'll go on. So it's like the clock starts and you start talking. It's not recorded for this picture. Stop. You can if you want. There is a pause button. So it, it depends how you want to do it. But I was doing this usually by just starting the recording and kind of going straight through. So this is a short little story uh, just about our weekend activities. And this is not showing up on the screen, which is not good. Um, and I'm not sure why it does that when I record. But this is Rachel with her eye grow, uh, Santa. This is my friend Vern with all the cupcakes that we enjoyed at his 40th birthday party this weekend. And this is just a picture of um, one of my students' uh, slides that they took of one of the finger puppets for one of the projects that they were doing. All right. So I'm not sure why the, the, the video out stopped working uh, when I hit record. I noticed that, that happened before um, when we were doing this project. So you didn't get to see the actual recording. But 
basically, it, it gave me a choice there to, to give this file a name and then to create the story. And so what this is doing right now is actually combining the audio recording with the pictures and it's making a new video file all on the phone. I'm not having to plug it in uh, and download it and transfer it to the computer. I'm not having to uh, you know, plug in a, head, a set of headphones or do anything else you know, more cumbersome. Everything is being done here. I was reflecting with my neighbor this weekend just you know, how incredible it is that in the last five years we've seen uh, mobile technology with, with video. How many of you have watched a movie on a mobile device? Has any, have many of you done that before? Does anybody use Netflix today? Yeah, son lives on Netflix. Well, and you know, that was only it's what? That was a year ago that that probably started to stream live where you didn't have to get the DVDs in the mail. It's just click and they play. My husband, um, actually, while we were waiting to get my daughter's office out on Friday, he went through that app where you can go to our home screen and he got the movie from our Xbox and downloaded it. Wow. Wow. From your home computer. Was that Slingbox or was that what? How did he do it? Find out the app and let me know because I'd be know. curious. Well, right. The copyright on that is interesting because the companies would like us to not duplicate anything and just rebuy. Okay. However. And this is West talking, not the University of North Texas talking. You know, if I bought a DVD, like I, we, have, we own Narnia, um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, okay? Taking that video and making it into an um, iPod-compatible version technically breaks the law of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Um, but it is to me and many other people, like I had an LP record and I put it on cassette. I'm not putting it on a file sharing network. I'm not letting other people download it. We actually paid 20 bucks or whatever for the media. It's just that now we're watching it on our device. Of course, it's slippery because once you make that digital copy, it's very easy to put it on every device that we have in our home and it's easy to share and all that. So copyright really hasn't caught up with all this, but it's, a, it's incredible how fast that's changed. So these are the stories that have been actually created into stories, and I didn't put a title on this one, so I think it just said 112210. So if I click on this and I say view story, this is a short little story uh, just about our week. I'm going to, what I'm going to do, I think, is I'm going to try, if it'll rotate. Um, this saves it into the, the camera roll as a new um, there we go. As a new uh, video, and so now I can play it. So, this is a short little story uh, just about our weekend activities, and this is not showing up on the screen, which is not good. Um, and I'm not sure why it does that when I record. But this is Rachel with her eye grow. Uh, Santa, this is my friend Vern with all the cupcakes that we enjoyed at his 40th birthday party this weekend. And this is just a picture of uh, one of my students' uh, slides that they took of one of the finger puppets. Okay. <laughs> so once you have a video that's on your phone, um, I didn't realize you could do this, but if you don't click on one of them, uh, if you, want, you can send multiple pictures at once. You can click this share in the corner, and then I could attach multiple pictures and send all those um, if I wanted to. Um, I can click on that video, and I can say share it, and I can send it with email, MMS, publish it right to YouTube, all from the mobile device. When we were in our Sunday school class, my co-teacher, uh, his son, had recorded a video, and so he actually MMSed me the video that his son had done um, after planning with his partner, and this was the, the video that they had done together. So there's different ways to share it, but I just am blown away because I've done these kind of projects for a while, but never with mobile devices that we could do all of the project with. So I had 12 students, and we had you know, done examples together, we had planned them, but I had four students finish, four groups finish in class, and then one group uh, finish afterwards. 
That would never have happened if we were just using the full computer and we had to have all the equipment and everything to, to work with. So last one I'm going to show you real fast is Sonic Picks. It's the bottom one here uh, in the middle. This one for the today and tomorrow, coincidentally, is, is 99 cents. I think it's usually 2.99. And I'll just show you this project that Sarah did. This is the Fall Trees project which we already heard, you saw the YouTube version, or I think I published it up to, to YouTube. And so um, it, it is a similar interface, but maybe a little bit more complex. And one of the things about it is that, um, you know, you can add uh, the title and description here in this part, and then when you edit your pictures, you can put titles on these, and it actually creates a video file with chapter marks and I don't know, do you really need that? Probably not. But, you know, if we were going to talk about trees, at fall trees, and then we were going to talk about pumpkins, and then we were going to talk about Thanksgiving dinner or whatever, we could have a description and actually change that on the images. Um, and then it has different recording uh, versions. So those are the projects. Um, these are the different versions that Sarah did. And if you do projects like this, how many times do you think your kids will try to record? You think they'll get it right the first time? No, they'll do it a bunch. And what's good about doing something a bunch of times? You get a lot better, yeah. And I just, I love that whole idea of letting kids put their best foot forward, right? So many times in class, and you stand up, it's time for your presentation. Um, you know, that may or may not be your your best performance, your best uh, your best effort. So being able to record asynchronously and, you know, choose the one that's better and that's probably going to be, you know, the second or the third time or the fourth time that you record, has a, there's a lot of power in doing that. So any questions or comments about StoryRobe or Sonic Picks, or has anybody used another app like this on an Android phone? I don't, does anybody here have an Android phone? I don't have one. I don't know if I'll get one, but... I'm sure that there are apps that are going to be like this for Android as well. And in fact, StoryRobe and Sonic Picks, they may make an Android version of theirs. Uh-huh, and it's totally free. And it's the one that I will probably use the most in sharing with teachers and all because it's like if you've got the device, you, you can make it. And this is something, too, that you could show students how to do and if their parents have an iPhone or um, an iTouch, you know, they could create these kinds of stories and be able to do that on their own time as well and without it having any cost, you know, that's an excellent thing. Anybody know what, who that little icon is on Story Road? Do you recognize him? You know him? Coco Pelli? Coco Pelli has appeared on cave drawings in the American Southwest. And um, he... was this fellow who went, he, he was a fertility de deity. He, um, so you can, you can find him on, on cave drawings, um, you know, in the, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the canyon, like in the Four Corners area and stuff like that of New Mexico, Colorado and all. So anyway, he went from um, village to village and was a storyteller. And so anyway, they've done this little icon. That's cool. Okay, well, that's your app share for today. And what we're going to talk about next is our exam. And then we'll uh, talk a little bit about our scratch assignment and focus on our screencasting for the rest of, of class today. So I have put a link on our um, uh, schedule page where you click on exam two feedback that will go to this Etherpad page. And this is a space for you now or later to share uh, any feedback, comments, gripes, other issues related to our second exam. So my intent was not to have a gotcha for any of that. And uh, anybody have, uh, I know it's been a little while since you took it, but anybody have a, a question that you thought might be, um, you know, a little bit tricky or one that you thought, Eh, why didn't I get credit for this one? Because it's because of this. And I'm putting you on the spot because I didn't give you time to prepare for that. But does anybody have something like that offhand that you remember? 
by a show of hands, how many of you thought the exam was uh, very easy? Does anybody think it was very easy? Some? Moderate? A little tricky? A little bit. Well, if you want to put any any comments and feedback in here, um, please do. And of course, you can also email me if you want to contest a specific question. But I'm very open to considering your uh, ideas. If you think that you know one of the things, for instance, we were talking about the question on um, the heroic journey project, and it said which of these was not a skill and computer programming. You know, might have thrown some of you. So um, I don't know. I think of computer programming as writing the, the program software itself. You know, that creates that. But that's really not something that we've talked about. So um, feel free to put your comments in there if you'd like to challenge a question. And it may be that I'll give you credit for that particular question. Or uh, I have not done an analysis yet, but let's say five people missed that question and they all put program, you know, didn't put program and they put something else. Um, I might throw that question out. So, anything that anybody wants to comment about publicly or ask about publicly about our tests? We will have uh, the opportunity if you want to take the final and you'll get your top two grades. And I think the final will just be the same format as this last test. It's just going to be 10 multiple choice questions. It, I'm not going to design it to try to be very tricky and hard. Um, so I think that's what we're going to do for the final. And you won't have to come to class to do the final. In fact, I think that I will probably open up the final the week of finals. So it won't be that you'll have to take it on Friday. Um, you can just take it that week by, by Friday, because Friday is our finals day. So officially, you need to do it by then, but I'll open it up that week. Um, did you feel like you had enough idea about what was going to be on it to be successful on it, or what do you think? Speak. Tell me something about it. <laughs> my intent, that if you had looked at those those um, K-12 presentations and had a general idea about them, that you were going to, you're going to be okay. Anything else? What is your opinion of having, an ex having, the, having exams? Last semester I didn't have any exams. I think I told you this course was set up kind of with exams and to take the top two out of three, so I set it up that way. What do you think about having those? Does that encourage you to make sure you've done all those assignments and that's a good thing? Or is it a waste of time? Would it be better to just do projects and not worry about exams? Does anybody have an opinion about that? Right. That's a good. And that's a. Do we do that one? You know, I would. It would be good to find a checklist thing that would just like kind of. And I think Moodle might have that. And I haven't used it yet. But something that's just kind of a checklist to say, check. Do you have this? Do you have this? Yeah. Okay. What's that? Okay. Um, one thing that's good, if you look back, you know, we're all learning, right? Everybody's learning. Even though I've taught for a while, we're all <laughs> hopefully continuing to get better. 
if we're, we're here on our computers in the classroom class, but if, if you click home and you go to T4T, this is what I taught in the spring, and I'm going to teach two sections of this class, which is basically the same class, it's a little bit different, at UCO in the spring. And um, I, I learned a lot. This wasn't the first time I've taught college classes, but there was a lot more information, and it was organized more poorly, and anyway, it was a little more overwhelming. So I hope that what we did this year was an improvement over that, over last year. Um, but that idea of a checklist is definitely a really good one because even though the assignments come out each week or whatever, it would be kind of helpful to be able to just see at a glance what, what's missing or what's not. Any other comments or thoughts on the second exam? All right, well, another good thing about you know, using a tool like this is it gives everyone an opportunity to not just have the in-class time to share, but afterwards as well. So please um, feel free to put some more information on that. And I'm going to be getting our, all of our grades, because I'm, I'm not going back till even though we don't have class Wednesday, I'm not going home until uh, tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to have all of our grades up to date with everything that's been turned in by tomorrow afternoon before I leave. So um, that will give you a good idea, uh, hopefully, if there's anything that, that you're missing and then whether or not you, you know, want to take the, um, the last exam. We will have one more checkpoint quiz for blog reflections. Um, and so there's really, there's really, I think, five more things in the course that are left. Um, we're going to talk today about the scratch assignment, the screencasting assignment. Um, that last week, we're going to talk about the portfolio. And basically, that's just going to be a wiki that's going to have links to some of your projects. It's not going to be a super complicated thing. I just want you to have experience making a wiki, putting links on. You've already done that on a blog, but that, that's going to be a very easy assignment that's not going to have a lot of, of requirements. So we'll have a reflection um, that will be uh, this week of the 6th, a, a little checkpoint quiz on the reflections, and we will have um, the final exam that will be optional. And then that's basically we're done with the class. So, um, Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about our scratch assignments, and then um, we'll talk about screencasting and show you examples and how to do that. And um, that will be kind of our final, uh, final big unit. Um, we did uh, some brainstorming. Oh, I didn't look at that. We did some brainstorming about... what a scratch assignment would look like and how we might put um, creativity into that. I guess as an example, this is a Google site. I need to add a link to this. So what I have done, and I can do this since this is my account, is I click edit page up here, and now I can highlight and add a link that will go to another page. Um, if I wanted to, I could go to a website, but I've actually created an assignment page that is for Scratch, and that's what I'm going to link to. So that's our Scratch assignment, and here's a link to our screencasting assignment. So now that I save this, those links will be uh, visible for you to see. This is just verbatim from what was on our uh, brainstorming document that I showed you two weeks ago. Um, but I'm still open to make some changes to this at, at this point if, if we want to. Um, option one is to share three different kinds of projects. This would be you know, kind of small things where you tried different things and you experimented. Or option two would be um, you know, a bigger project. Um, your different creative shared projects can build on each other. So it can be that first one that you did and then you learned how to add you know, a second sprite or you learned how to add a different background. So it says different. It doesn't mean you have to do a totally, you know, a totally different project. Um, 
by a show of hands, how many of you think you will probably do option two? You'll just turn in one project that's bigger. Does anybody think that they'll probably do that? Anybody thinking they're going to do option one and just share the small ones? Remember, my goal on this is that you basically play with Scratch and learn with it. And so I want your project to reflect that. Um, I'm not expecting anything to be earth-shattering as far as, you know, this is the you know, most amazing project we've ever seen. And, you know, don't think you're going to need to spend 20 hours um, doing your project. You're going to need to spend some hours working in Scratch. You also don't have to share it on the Scratch website. Um, I will provide a way, if you don't want to publicly share it, to just at share it in the Moodle. So if you want to do that, you can. But it's definitely easiest if you um, do that. And I think maybe I need to put it on, I need to put in here um, that caveat that it says, you know, link to it from your, link to it from your blog post. But you'll need to write a blog post uh, no matter what. But if you don't want to link to it, you don't have to. You can, you can. So as far as the day or whatever? Those are just like the different days that we've done it. So, yeah, th I mean, this is our, our last day to kind of talk about Scratch. But we're not going to do a lot of instruction today. Right. It's really, I mean, we've, we've asked you to, to, to work with it and to create some things each time. But this is what we're building up to. So you won't have to turn in those smaller ones that you've done unless you want to do option one. And if you do, then you could turn in those projects as examples of some things that you learned as you went along. Um, if you want to do option two, then you're just going to turn in whatever you think is your best, you know, scratch effort. Um, are there any more constraints that you think we ought to put on this? I don't know. I mean, it, is anybody feeling pretty uncomfortable with, because this is pretty open. Like I didn't say, it must be at least, you know, two minutes long or it must tell a story. I mean, there's, I'm not requiring that. So is anybody feeling uncomfortable with the open-endedness of this? Or? Absolutely. It's not going to be... Um, if it reflects that you got into the program and you learned how to do some things, and your reflection is part of that too, right? Because that gives me the backstory to say, you know, I, I learned how to do this and, and I tried to do this. I mean, everyone who has a good effort is going to max this assignment. This isn't going to be a, ooh, you only use four scripts and, you know, this is going to be a nine because of that. Um, this is the first time I've taught with this program. This program, as you I'm sure understand, is all about creativity. It's hard to assess creativity. And um, I put in there, you know, bonus points for creativity. So it's almost a pass-fail kind of thing where if, if you're demonstrating that you got in there, you've got a project to show, and then you'll talk about your learning and your reflection, you're going to max it out. So don't worry. And uh, don't you know, think you need to call somebody after class or contact them and tell them, you, know, you better not... You better not do that awesome project. That's one of the funny things that happens, and I don't know if it's funny, but in, in classes, and it happens with adult teachers as well as with kids, like when we share things, somebody will get up and share. Sometimes I'll be, real, real, you know, first one, and everybody else will be like, oh, man, I'm not going to share now. So anyway, we always compare ourselves and all those things. So don't feel intimidated that, oh, man, my project's not going to be awesome. If you've gotten in and learned and, and you'll show that in your reflection, you're going to match the assignment. This is not a gotcha thing. Um, when, yes, when does it do? Um, we had talked about the beginning of December, but I'm open to, I mean, this, this could be the last week. Like, you can have all next week to do this, too. Um, the thing that I learned was, you know, if I make the due dates too late, then people tend to procrastinate a whole lot. Um, but, you know, we're, we're approaching the end. So do you want... Um, yeah, I mean, it can, it can be due the week of finals week. It can be due um, the 12th. I was going to um, have the blog reflections probably... Um, they'll they'll be for, include the online assignments, which will be other 
um, videos that we'll watch and reflect on, so the 6th and the 8th. So the blog reflection quiz will, the checkpoint quiz will be on the 8th, um, but I'll leave that open, you know, for, for I could I could just leave things open until um, we could say the middle of the week of final of uh, or how about the be the beginning of finals week would that be okay or do you, does that work okay what I what that yes in fact that's a good point let me fix that because when I had originally done that. I did it on the wrong one. So I'm going to highlight where it says scratch assignment, and I'm going to say change, and I want this to go to, it's now linked under assignments, but there's scratch assignment, and I'll do the same thing for screencasting. So if you refresh that page on our schedule, That'll now go directly to the scratch assignment details. And this is underneath our assignments page. So we've got these four links at the top. You click assignments and scroll down. The scratch assignment's there and the screencasting assignment. So we've linked a couple places. So does that work? That we'll have those due uh, the 12th before um, finals week. And then we'll just have the final the last week. And I'll go ahead and keep those open. Um, to turn in, I'll I'll put those on the Moodle today, and then we'll keep we'll keep them open. What I'd encourage you to do is just don't wait, especially for the scratch thing, till the last minute, because that's going to take a little more time than just your regular. I got to write a five-paragraph essay and you know turn it in. Any other comments or thoughts about the scratch assignment? Yes, no, no. Okay. Well, let's talk about screencasting. By a show of hands, how many people have made a screencast before? Has anybody made a screencast of any kind? All right, we're not sure what screencast is. Well, let's talk about it because I really think screencasting, and I've got um, both a link to screencasting resources and the screencasting assignment. I'll go to the uh, screencasting resources first. I really think this is something, oh man, and I messed up. This is something that everybody should know how to do. And I do not have data, but I would predict that if we were to survey most classroom teachers today, I bet you, you know, fewer than 10% know right now and have created a screencast before. It is not something that we've been able to do for very long. And it's not something that teacher education courses like this have asked people to do. But um, let's take a look at what it is, and we'll talk about why it's so important. Um, on this page, which I've created, which is for uh, screencasting resources, I've got some videos and things like that that we're going to look at. And the first thing is just a definition from Wikipedia. So Wikipedia um, defines a screencast. and in Safari, or not Safari, Firefox that I'm in right now, when you're on a page with text, and I've probably done this before, you can go up to view and choose uh, the zoom choice, but you can also just do control plus and control minus. So by doing control plus like this, it just makes that text larger so that it's easier to see, which is a kind of a nice thing to be able to do. So it defines it as a video screen capture that often includes narration. So it is recording something on your screen and then usually putting a voiceover that will, it will, will explain stuff, tell people how to do stuff. So it's saying that back in 2004, you know, six years ago, you had some things that are happening. Now you have got a ton of different choices for screencasting. And uh, at the bottom of this Wikipedia article, I have this linked on our page too. It says, list in comparison of screencasting software. So one really great thing that Wikipedia does in the case of technology stuff is people keep active lists 
of things. So I have given you on our page some different screencasting tool options, and the one we're going to use is called Screener, which is free, and you can only do five minutes, which is also good, right? Because a 30-minute screencast is you know, probably not going to be watched as much as one that's shorter. All of these are software programs that are available, and they break down in this the comparison by feature, you know, of whether you can record audio, it can record the desktop. Some of these you buy, some of them are free. Some of them you download to your computer and use. Others, like Screener, are just on the Internet, and you don't have anything to download at all, which I think is really powerful and really good. So that's kind of how it defines uh, Screencast. Um, I'm going to play this 32-second YouTube video, and this will give us a little bit better idea about a screencast. And again, I will pause it. Always a good idea. Let it buffer, and then play. A lot of people ask me how I make my screencast. Uh, basically, I use a program called ScreenFlows only for the Mac. It allows you to record um, and publish videos. It's only ninety-nine dollars. It's pretty cheap. You can add text. You can zoom in. You can zoom out. You can add music. You can fade out, and you can fade back in. So check it out. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think $100 is, like, really cheap. I don't just have $100 in my pocket to say, hey, let me just buy this free program. Um, so I guess that is a relative term. But that gives you a little bit of an idea of what you can do with screencasts. Um, how many of you have checked out the Khan Academy? I think I might have mentioned it before, but has anybody been to the Khan Academy site? Every single person, everywhere, who is doing any kind of math needs to know about this. Because this gentleman... Uh, Salman Khan has developed now over 1,800 screencasts about just about about almost any topic relating to algebra, geometry, trig, calculus, and then he's also got stuff about biology. I mean, incredible, and they're all free. He's created a whole nonprofit organization and um, shares these. So here is a PBS NewsHour piece that was an interview with him, and we're going to take a look at this, and then we'll take a look at how to create them.
the old girl Castilea School in Palo Alto invited Khan to speak, and he immediately connected to the student body. You tell me that you really don't know, how, you know, dividing decimals is still kind of this uh, little gray area, and if, if, if dividing decimals actually is, you're not alone. Dividing decimals is kind of the one thing that no one wants to admit that they kind of forgot how to do. He exuded pride in his expanding online audience. More and more people uh, kept watching it, and now it's reaching uh, actually on the order of about 100,000 students now a, a month, uh, and uh, 40,000 video views a day. It was the concept of short, repeatable lessons that attracted high school senior Bridget Meaning, who admitted she had trouble with seventh grade algebra. Think the teachers are good, but they can't go out of case that's um, like perfect for everyone. But um, I like the concept of knowing something in class, but then going back and pressing pause or rewind and actually getting a deeper understanding of it. Shy students who don't ask questions in class may benefit the most from Khan's videos, says Kimberly Knapp, who teaches math at Castilea. But his lessons aren't a substitute for the classroom. I don't think that there's a perfect replacement for the work that we do and just the kind of conversations that students and teachers engage in together. But Khan thinks maybe lecture halls and classrooms have their limitations. Originally, he kept his lessons short because of YouTube restrictions. Now he thinks short is better. I've gotten researchers telling me that you don't realize 10 minutes we've done studies is how long someone can have a high level of concentration. And anything beyond that, you kind of lose it. And I think we've all had an experience in sitting in college where you can be with the professor for about 10, 15 minutes, and then you kind of lose it. A lot of math students apparently agree. I talked via the internet with Cody Woodward in Anchorage, Alaska, who uses Khan's lessons at college. It has helped me immensely in the grades for my math classes, and I've also learned a lot. Internet instruction, be it the Khan Academy or Tate University Lectures, could revolutionize education in remote third world locations, where access to high quality instruction is frequently unavailable. That's the hope of Neil Rodian, a young software programmer at Cisco Systems. He and fellow volunteers at World Possible working on their vacations, are bringing online teaching to Africa and India for starters. When Radia and Mega Jane first traveled to Ethiopia, they found thousands of brand new computers sitting idle because they couldn't connect to the internet and therefore couldn't get online instruction. The great thing to do was to be putting a lot of these resources on a single local server that we could bring to the colleges, to the universities, to community centers. We came across the Khan Academy and we emailed him and asked him if we could reproduce some of his uh, material on our servers, and he was very willing to help us out. You'd be surprised how fast these kids learn and pick these things up, so it isn't strange to them. They've heard of this, and they are excited to use it. For Khan, teaching math and science and finance is just the beginning. He's ready to expand his YouTube site to include whatever strikes his fancy. I want to do everything. I want to do history. I want to do grammar. I want to do literally every, every subject. So far, except for a little advertising revenue, he is donating his time and equipment. It's a one-man operation, but it's gotten so big he expects to start soliciting outside support to keep his academy growing. All right. Uh, turn to your neighbor. I'm going to go to my favorite stopwatch site, onlinestopwatch.com. I give you 90 seconds. Yes, and I do not have a heater. I apologize. <laughs> uh, talk to your neighbor. What do you think about that? What do you think about the potential value of that? What do you think about the drawbacks of it? Um, talk about the Khan Academy with somebody close to you. That's loud. They want to share, merge these files afterwards. All right, we're rejoining the recording. Um, Another one's called Slide Rocket, and basically you can put the entire presentation that somebody has done online, and they can um, hear it and see it just like, you know, they were there. On my blog, on the link that says Speaking at the top, I've got a lot of different, well, that's interesting. Um, I've got a lot of different links to screencasts that I've done, and so if I click on 
um, play here. It is a pleasure to be with you all today. This is a presentation I gave last February in St. Louis. And you can forward to a specific slide and you can hit play. There are a robust set of... You can hear exactly the part that was there. It's synchronized. So be aware that those tools are available. You're not going to have to use SlideShare or ScreenShare, but we are going to use Screener. So once you've created your Twitter account and you... Um, go to the screener site. It's going to prompt you to, to authorize um, Twitter to authenticate you, and then you're going to be ready to go. I'm going to go ahead and load up Scratch and just do something really quick on Scratch. Again, you do not have to do Scratch. Yes? Your topic, I'll do that right after um, class. I'll, I'll link that and put that up. Um, or, in fact, why don't we just do this? Well, yeah, I'll do, I'll, what I was going to do is I'll do it on the spreadsheet. I was going to say we could just put it in that other document, but we'll, we'll put it in, this, in the uh, a little spreadsheet so you'll be able to see other people. The same way we signed up for our Pecha Kucha assignments with just two columns, just put your, put your name and your topic. So I'm here inside Scratch, and one of the things that you might want to do with Screener is make your window a little bit smaller, not have it be so big. This is how it works, okay? What do you think I'm going to click on to record? The big yellow button, right? The, the one that has the red that says record your screencast. You're going to need a microphone of some kind. So if you uh, use a laptop, have access to a laptop that's got a microphone, plug one in. You're going to want to test your audio because you will need, just like you did with your voice thread, to be able to have um, your, your microphone working. I'm going to click record your screencast now, and what it's going to do is it's going to come up with a pop-up menu saying, ooh, do you really want to let this program have access? So it says, this digital signature has been verified. Do you want to run it? Yes, run. So I do not have to download a program. It is actually running on, you know, through the web browser. And you can see the volume here is going up and down. Um, it will detect microphones that I have. And if you don't see this audio level thing going up and down, that means your audio is not working. So you're going to want to troubleshoot that. Different sizes that I can do. Um, I would probably do, I probably wouldn't do full screen. Um, but you can kind of see how much space that gives you when you're recording. So what I'm going to do is basically get my window set up to be sized to fit in here. And everything that's inside this box is going to record when I start. Okay? How much time do I have to record? Five minutes. Okay? How long do you have to go? At least a minute. I'm not going to say you've got to, you know, it's got to be two minutes. I mean, depends on what you want to explain. Just like with Scratch, I want you to experience making a screencast, teaching about something, using Screener. Um, after our class is over and you've got your grade, if you want to delete, you know, your Screener account, never use it again, that's fine. But I want you to experience creating uh, something uh, with this. So... Obviously, before you get to this point, you want to have a plan <laughs> and, you know, think about what you want to do. You might want to write out a little script for yourself or a little outline. Um, you can read it if you would want to. You probably are going to want to make more of an outline to sort of refer to and just kind of talk through the steps of it. But um, maybe I'll talk about um, just doing some basic motion within Scratch. So I'm going to click the red button and it'll start. It gives me a countdown. Three, two, one, and I'll be starting. Hi, this is Wes Fryer, and I'm going to do a quick little tutorial to talk about how to do some basic movement inside the program Scratch. Up here in the upper left corner, we've got different options for our control of our sprite, and this little cat is our sprite. And so I'll drag out the when the green flag is clicked, and um, then I will go to motion, and I can make him move um, back and forth. One of the things that we talked about doing was a loop that will repeat a certain number of times. And so if I repeat something, like I move out uh, 10 steps and then I go back 10 steps, I can actually make um, this guy dance. And I might want to wait a little bit of time. And so let's see what happens when I do this. I might do this more than 10 steps. Let's do 50 steps. And we'll do minus 50. 
And so this should repeat 10 times. So this isn't that exciting. He's just going back and forth. Um, but anyway, that's a little demonstration of motion in Scratch. I hit pause, and I can you know, pause and pull something out, change the screen or whatever. When I'm finished, I click the Done button, and what it's going to do on the web page is it is going to go ahead and display my screencast. And so if I click play, hi, this is Wes Fryer, and I'm going to do a quick little tutorial to talk about how to... And that's it. It's recorded. So I usually don't tweet it out. I just uncheck that box, and I click post. And what that does is it actually posts it onto the screener website, and it gives you a link just like you saw for the other ones that we did, um, the other demos that we did. So that is um, your screencast uh, overview. Last thing I'll mention, and then we got to get out of here, is when you click on screencasting assignment, the requirements are basically to pick a topic. I'm gonna, I'll do that right now before I leave, um, so you can click the link and um, put a topic that you'd like to do. You need a Twitter account, and I'd like you to do one that is at least um, 60 seconds long. That's where I put the link. I have a sample student screencast from last semester on Make a Google Map and Make a PowerPoint. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Good luck. I will um, get caught up on all my email, and by tomorrow afternoon, you'll have all your grades in for all your assignments. We'll have everything that's remaining in the class due that Sunday of finals week, so the 12th.